Welcome to Careers for the Blind. My name is Harrison Hoyes, and I'm losing my sight to retinitis pigmentosa. As my vision continues to get worse, I wanted to have conversations with other blind and visually impaired people to see what advice they may have to offer and keep me motivated and inspired and continuing to strive to do the best that I can in my career. I know I'm not the only person going through this type of situation. So my hope is other people will benefit from hearing these conversations the way that I've been benefiting from them. And in this way, I'll be able to give to others what my guests have been so generous to give to me. In April 2021, I had a conversation with Mike Moran. Mike lost his sight due to congenital glaucoma at an early age. He's been a substance abuse counselor, a marriage and family therapist, a field representative for the seeing eye. But today, he has his company Clear Vision Network. His company helps people with podcasting, audio editing, and jingle writing. If you want to learn more about Mike and his company, visit clearvisionnetwork.com. Here's my conversation with Mike. I guess to start out, I'll give a little shout out to Sherlock Washington for introducing us. So I appreciate that. And but uh, just tell me a little bit about how did you lose your sight? What what what's your vision like uh, right you know these days? I was born with congenital glaucoma, and uh, my mother didn't know what was wrong. And the doctor kept saying, oh, his eyes are just sensitive to the light. Hmm. So finally, when I was 11 months old, they figured out that uh, I had congenital glaucoma at the New, Year, the, uh, New York Eye and Ear Hospital. Uh, I did see light and color for a long time. And uh, then that faded. And in those days, they didn't know what to do for the pressure in your eye. So they would operate and... Uh, I think the operation did more harm than good, but that's all they knew to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so that faded. And now I, a doctor would tell you I have no light perception. But the crazy thing is, and I've talked to other people who are blind about this, I still feel like I have nerves or something firing in my left eye. Mm-hmm. You know, that it, it, it's a, a source of uh, navigation. Okay. It goes along, I guess, with facial perceptions. Okay. All right. All right. So, so it was a very young age that, that you were affected. Yes. Yes. And All then, right. uh, and then, of, of course, uh, you know, my parents are like, what do we do with this kid now for education? Yes, and sure. uh, they didn't know what to do. So they sent me to uh, a Catholic school for blind children. And... Uh, I always tell everybody it was run by the uh, good sisters of perpetual revenge <laughs> and uh, they had a, they were crazy and uh, abusive. It was a very abusive environment. Oh, no. And uh, they, uh, it was, you know, it, in some respects it was good because um, I mean, never that it's good that it's abusive, but I got to learn uh, things that I, I wouldn't have learned, you know, uh, Braille and reading and math that I would have probably not picked up in the public schools because uh, they didn't have the itinerant programs in place like they have today. And they didn't have the technology that they have today. Okay. Okay. And then uh, beyond uh, that, uh, I mean, did you go to college after, after that, high school? Then I, yeah, I went to um, a regular uh, 
Catholic high school in my home uh, town from my home. So um, by that time, they figured out, okay, this is where we can get the books brailled and um, we can provide readers. So the New Jersey Commission for the Blind would um, give stipends to people who read to students. And usually it was another high school student and uh, they would come and read some of the books that we couldn't get in Braille and uh, even help with the ones that we needed to move on with because, uh, as you know, reading Braille for most people is not as quick as uh, looking at it and uh, looking at the print. Mm-hmm. So uh, we moved, uh, moved along like that. And uh, then eventually I, um, I went to college. Um, I actually, uh, you know, the thing is, um, in, in all honesty, I did not follow the usual guidelines that you're supposed to follow as a blind student. Uh, I was not a good boy in high school. <laughs> I, okay. was, I hung out with all the bad guys. Uh, on the corner, not doing my homework, um, you know, just crazy, but fun. <laughs> I can say that, but I, if you said to me, I have a blind child, should he follow the path you followed? I would say, absolutely not. Don't do what I did. Uh, okay. But I did learn a lot. I got a, a lot of practical experience. I uh, learned a lot about the sighted world. And I learned a lot about interacting with my peers. Mm-hmm. After high school, I went to uh, I went to college, and then eventually I, I got a master's in uh, public health. I got a master's in uh, special ed, and then I achieved uh, an EDS in marriage and family therapy. I had a license for a while, and okay, I what, sorry, what's had that? To give what's EDF? Marriage. And, yeah, it's like a, I, I it's a, a equivalent to a doctorate without a thesis. Okay. And uh, I got that from Seton Hall uh, in New Jersey. But, um, you know, I, I was getting burned out in that field, uh, honestly, um, between a substance abuse counseling and, and marriage and family therapy. I, uh, I'm one of those people who takes it home. You know, some people, they can, uh, they can do counseling and they put out the light in their office. They go home and it's all done. Me, I take it home. And after a while, it, it wore me out. And I said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not feeling like a real live boy anymore. So I, I gave it up and uh, I pursued more uh, of a career in broadcasting and uh I worked in radio uh, recording studios, radio stations, and uh, now I'm uh, going to do some uh, podcasting. Okay. I, uh, I I had a production company for a while. I did all kinds of things in this business, uh, as many people do, and uh, so now I'm looking to uh, launch a podcast. Uh, and you're one of the uh, fellow podcasters. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, can we go back and talk about when you were in high school and, and I guess, and even college, were you thinking about at all what type of career you would have after college? 
was that something that obviously you know you your site at that point had 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 not yeah. been, uh you know the best and it definitely failed you there so what were you thinking about doing knowing that you'd be having you know vision issues well my wish always was to be on the radio or to be um in the in the media some way so uh i saw that there weren't many opportunities for people who were blind in broadcasting and so forth. So, um, you know, I, I tried going into uh, social services and to special ed and um, found a lot of uh, employment uh, obstacles. I think that I'd like to think that the obstacles aren't as um, big now as they used to be, but they're there. I mean, the unemployment rate for people who are blind is just crazy. Right. And now with the pandemic, it's worse. But you would, you know, I'm thinking with all the technology and all the people who are learning to work from home, I would hope that certain employers, it just wouldn't matter to them if a person was blind or visually impaired because they would work home like all the other workers and it wouldn't be a problem if the person was able to keep up with the workload. Right. At least right. that's uh, my ideal hope. Who knows? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I feel the same way. I mean, it should be, if you can do the work, you can do the work. And if you're, especially, like you said, you're doing it from home. Does your, right. your employer doesn't even need to know if you have any kind of vision issue, but I know there's, there's definitely different viewpoints on, on, you know, disclose, not disclose and, and, and all that stuff. Um, I've gone back and forth on that. Sometimes I yeah. think, tell them ahead of time, because when you walk in, you don't have to deal with all the shock and awe. <laughs> they, right. You know, they, they want to focus on your cane, your dog, uh, anything, but can you do the job? So I'm thinking if you disclose when you get in there, there's no surprise. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I go back and forth on it as I guess we all do. Sure. 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 I mean, some, some good advice that I've heard from some other folks is, you know, you sometimes person that you're doing some initial phone interviews with, you know, kind of screenings. Uh, if you, you might see an opportunity to disclose that it might, yeah. might actually work to your advantage if you, if you disclose, you know, but that you got, you got to read might. the situation. Yeah, absolutely. You do. And uh, I guess the only way you can accurately read it or better read it is that the more interviews you have, the better you get at it. So mm -hmm. I yeah. would encourage anybody, especially young people, get as many interviews as you can. They don't all have to be successful. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, along those same lines, it sounds like you, you did have some obstacles, but definitely a lot of success in finding work. You know, what, what was it that made the uh, interviews successful? The, the, the ones that you did land the job, what was it that made those successful? That's a good question. I think the fact that I, um, I certainly demonstrated that I could do the job, but that's of course, after you get the job, Mm -hmm. I really believe part of the interview, especially for people who are blind, is the way we walk into the interview. 
because I know myself when I was very young and I'd walk into an interview, I always felt like I was one tick down, that I was not equal and that I had to really prove to them that I could do it. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that attitude came across and I don't think that's a good thing to come across with. I think that, um, you know, if you walk in not being cocky, but being confident, I think there's a fine line. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if there's a way to direct the, the discussion from the dog, from the cane, from your uh, note taker, et cetera, et cetera, whatever they want to talk about, uh, other than your skills, uh, that's something that's very important. Um, you know, you can always tell when there's some bad vibes in the room. Somebody's always sitting there clicking a pen or, <laughs> you know, you, you just know. <laughs> you just yeah. know that they're saying, I can't wait till we go to the happy hour down the street, Bob. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough thing to even know what to put on your resume, I think. Uh, should you disclose in your resume? Should you disclose after you get the phone interview? Uh, it's it's a controversial. I'm sure so, I'm sure that both things have worked. Sure. So that's the that's the thing. That's why there's no solid answer. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, so I guess in the interviews that were successful, you landed the job. You 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 would say, but just based on your comments you walked into those interviews maybe with more confidence i i think not only that but i also had experience mm-hmm. so you know even if it had been a part-time experience or volunteering i had experience so i knew what they needed and i think doing research is very important and also i Remember, I remember once or twice, I went to the place the day before mm, and I didn't yeah. make myself known, but I went there so that I had an idea of where I was going and how I was going to get there and how long it was going to take me. So I, I didn't have that hassle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, 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 it helped me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I found myself doing similar things uh, that you know, you, you're going, you know, you're going someplace new and it's kind of important that you show up there on time going there the day before, or, or, or it doesn't have to necessarily be the day before, but just any sometime before Anytime, that yeah. point, uh, so that you're familiar with everything that you just said, how long, how long it takes, where is it, where is it, you know, make sure you, you approach the whole situation with confidence. And it takes that equation, uh, out, out of the mental stress of the day, you know, especially if you're going for, for an interview. Now, so, admittedly, when I worked for the seeing eye, I didn't have that kind of, uh, those kinds of, of problems because I, I had been associated with the seeing eye as a graduate for many years and they knew I could travel. They, they knew me, they knew, uh, my personality, they knew what I could do and couldn't do. So it was a question of, uh, do we want Mike or do we want some other guy or what do we want? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I didn't have the same obstacles ahead of me, but I did have to, of course, conduct myself in an interview, um, you know, 
as if, not as if I was a stranger, but I had to be a little more formal than if I was just sitting around conversing with some of the staff. Right, right. Okay, so, so you, you, had, you had received uh, or gotten your uh, seeing eye dog from there and knew everybody already. But what about other yeah. other positions? When you Some of your first positions that you, that you um, got? Well, uh, let's see. Well, they were in the, um, some of them were in the counseling field. So uh, I have found that there's less opposition if you can go and demonstrate your ability going through an internship, for example, in a school or a college. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go to the internship program, then you've got some experience under your belt. And then if you go to another agency, you can say, I worked at so-and-so counseling and this is what I did. And, uh, you know, you can probably even obtain a, a reference letter if you do a good job. So that I think is an easier path than just uh, cold, uh, as they say, cold calling, you know, the mm -hmm. throwing your resume out there. Um, so it, it's difficult to, to know in that situation, uh, if you're going into something and you don't really know the, the, the field, you know, if I were going to work, uh, as a, um, a, as say a dispatcher in a trucking company, if I tell them I'm blind, like how much of an obstacle is that going to be? Yet there are people who are blind who worked as dispatchers for trucking companies and cab companies. Mm -hmm. So I would love to talk to them and ask them, how did, how did you do that? Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, last night it was very interesting. There's, uh, a new thing out and maybe some of your listeners know about it. It's called clubhouse. Are you familiar no, with clubhouse? No, no, I haven't heard of it. Okay. Well, clubhouse is, um, a new app that came out. So you need to download the app on your iPhone and you need to get invited to clubhouse. So once you're on there, there are various rooms set up by whoever wants to set up a room. I mean, you have poets, songwriters, authors, um, just plain everyday folks. Uh, a lot of people who are blind have, uh, acquired membership to clubhouse and invited other people who are blind to clubhouse and, uh, set up different rooms. There's a, a room for jaws, uh, you know, they, once the room closes down, it closes down. So it's not always up there, but there's a room for seeing eye graduates. Somebody will set up a room for, um, the American council of the blind or the national federation of the blind, uh, cane travelers, or, you know, it can be anything. And, uh, people are, uh, people can talk to each other. I mean, you can have 20 people in the room and they can talk live to each other. Hmm, okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a great thing because a lot of people who are blind, they're getting to meet each other and network with each other. They never had this opportunity before. We yeah. didn't know who was out there. Now it's a chance for people to help each other with their businesses and their uh, podcasts. As a matter of fact, if you send me your, if you, you have a, you have a smartphone, iPhone. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If you send me your, uh, 
your phone number, I'll invite you if you want to get invited. Yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll check it out for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's a great networking opportunity. Um, there's all, I mean, there's some fun things on there too. And, uh, it, it, it's an opportunity for people to grow. I mean, some people just sit on there and waste a day because you're always going to have that. But there, for example, there's a room on there, uh, in which they're discussing WordPress, which is what some of the, uh, website producers use to, uh, set up websites. They use this thing called uh, WordPress. Right. So there's a couple of people that know how to do that. There are podcasters on there. And uh, so I, I think eventually it's going to be very helpful, especially, you know, podcasting. As you know, there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And we all have to find a way to monetize our podcasts. And uh, I'm thinking that out of this, uh, something's, something good is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, you know, when you network with people, I think that's a very, very positive tool. I think you get so much done. I mean, we, we don't have that opportunity. So yeah. this is, this is a new thing. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. What other yeah. tech, uh, are you, have you, or have you used in the past and, and, you know, to make sure that you're successful in your career and whatever job you're, you're undertaking at the time? What other I'm sorry. What, what other, what other what? technology or, you know, uh, <laughs> any kind of assistive technology that you're using? Well, uh, of course, um, I use all the, the speech technology. Um, I'm mostly familiar with JAWS. Um, I haven't used NVDA that much or Narrator, but it's uh, there if I need it. I uh, do all of my audio editing with something called SoundForge. And um, I have a smartphone and I've used note takers and I'm really, uh, wondering now what to get. Cause my note taker, uh, <laughs> I watered it. Okay. I didn't think it was a plant. It was an accident. Anyway, some water <laughs> got into my note taker and it shot, but this, it, you know, it's at least 10 to 12 years old. But I can't find a note taker like a good old fashioned note taker. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they wanted to dial the internet, uh, you know, go and send a telegram, pour you a glass of milk, whatever. I don't want all that. I want a nice note taker with a braille display on it. And uh, I want to put phone numbers and a calendar in there and say la vie. Right. And everybody right. says, well, do that on your phone. I don't want to re I want to reach for the note taker, open it up, zip, zip, zip. And away we go. So right. now I'm trying to figure out because there's so many out there and they are so, oh my, they're overpriced. I mean, you could buy four computers for the price you pay for some of these things. Uh -huh. So, and I, I think it's a shame because, um, I mean, I know it costs a lot to produce these things. But also, let's face it, the uh, many of the agencies from around the country are gonna buy these things, and the manufacturers know that. Plus, they're gonna be sold in some other countries. So there's no discount for the average consumer. Right, right. 
when you were growing up, did you have any kind of uh, any mentors or when you're in college or even going through uh, some of your first jobs, mentors that stand out in your mind? Um, well, let me just backtrack a, a minute just on the equipment thing. Okay. I, um, when I, before all this technology came along, uh, I used Braille and we in college didn't have any electronic devices. So I used the slate and stylus to take notes. And I was really fast at the time. I don't think I could do that now because mm -hmm. it's been so many years. I mean, I'm spoiled, um, you know, with the braille displays and, uh, note takers. So, but we, we used braille. I mean, I've walked around with loose leaf books full of braille paper that I wrote on during class. Uh, that, that, you know, that was the way we took notes. And, uh, we, I, I tell everybody since I had a slate and stylus and you have to punch the dots that I literally punched my way through college. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so you did ask me about mentors and, uh, I think that, uh, I have had mentors who not only have been blind, but sighted mentors, people that I looked up to and people I wanted to, uh, do with what they did or learn how to do what they did and emulated some of the things they did, especially in the field of broadcasting. And I, you know, I, I can't say I had one mentor. I just had many. And, uh, I'd look to different people for inspiration and I would even listen to athletes and uh, listen to their approach to their craft. I was particularly impressed with uh, one of the pitchers from the Mets, Tom Seaver, because whenever he was interviewed, he knew what he threw, when he threw it, and why he threw it. It wasn't that he just went out there and, you know, ripped the ball up there. He just, uh, he knew what he was doing. And I thought, that's it, you know? And then I would listen to someone on the radio who, uh, actually I'd listened to the announcer for the Yankee, uh, for the Yankee announcer who, before he got to the Yankees, he had a talk show on WCBM in Baltimore, John Sterling. And I remember in college listening to John, he was so knowledgeable and it's kind of, that's where I, I, that's where I started thinking, I want to be a Mike Moran, who's a good radio personality or a good reporter or good whatever, who happens to be blind. I don't want to be Mike Moran is blind and a good radio announcer. Sure. Now, I'll tell you someone who's blind that I looked up to was uh, a guy named Ed Walker. Ed Walker was Willard Scott's partner on WRC in Washington. They were the joy boys of radio before Willard Scott became the weather man on, uh, was it, is it good morning America? One of those shows. I mean, he's not there anymore, but, uh, Ed was blind and he went to the Maryland school for the blind. He was one of the most successful, uh, it was one of the most successful, uh, what should I say? He was a radio personality who happened to be blind. That was very successful. 
and he was very good at his craft. And uh, he, he gave me some good advice along the way. So, I mean, and I think it, I think it was, it is important that we are generous with our advice that we don't hold back. We try to help each other and help people younger than us to succeed. I think it's our obligation because mm-hmm. if it, if it works, why not share it with people? You know, I, I've come across people, and I'm sure you have in your life, that they have information and they want to hold on to it as if it's gold. I can't tell you. No, you can tell me because it's a big, wide, abundant world, and uh, we need to share the information. All right. So uh, I'm sorry if you're getting that ding. I didn't know my... Uh, monitor was that's that's mail coming through no worries no i i do i do have mail uh so yeah i think i think it's important that we uh we network with each other and 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 help each other grow because uh let's face it when you're blind originally impaired the odd the odds are against you so whatever we can do to decrease those negative odds i think we need to do that with each other yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you taking some time to do this with me because that's that's essentially what I'm trying to do with with this podcast, you know. Um yeah. I, I had I had some good conversations with uh with, with Sherlock and and others and ah. just and just thought, you know, I I really need to to capture some of this and and have other have it be accessible to to other people. Yeah. So, yes, well Sherlock is a fine example of uh, a guy with a lot of initiative and uh, a guy who really is good at what he does. And uh, he is very, uh, is a very caring guy and he does share information. So he's one of the people I would hold up there as a, a mentor to anyone who wants to succeed as he has. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Earlier, you mentioned you've, you so you've, you have a, a seeing eye dog. Uh, yes. You know, what was the, uh, have you always had a seeing eye dog? Did you travel with a cane previously? What was the decision making uh, well, process there? I was, uh, I was a v- very good cane traveler, but I observed one or two other people who were working with seeing eye dogs. And I thought, man, these people are flying. And um, I always loved dogs. So <laughs> I thought, man, I want a seeing eye dog. And I applied to the seeing eye in 1968, and I got my first dog. I'm on my seventh dog now. So I have worked with dogs for over 50 years. And uh, I have to say, I'm very thankful that they've been successful matches. And, uh, I've, you know, I've been all over the country. I've been, uh, I think I've been in about, uh, maybe, uh, 47 states more than once. So it, because it, I had to represent the seeing eye at different functions, uh, and, uh, give workshops and, uh, host exhibits. And, uh, it was just a great experience. And I met so many wonderful people. So I, uh, I'm so glad I had that experience. And, uh, you know, of course now with the, uh, pandemic, 
I think the way we work with our dogs is a little different than what it was pre-pandemic because now we, uh, <clears throat> we don't um, go as many places. And uh, I, think, I think the landscape is changing anyway with paratransit and Uber. I think people work their dogs differently now than they used to. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and, and also I think one of the good things is that we don't have as many obstacles to uh, getting admittance to places as there used to be, such as hotels and restaurants and uh, places of business. Okay. Can you explain that a little bit more? You mean them just like, willing to seat a blind person in the past was something they wouldn't well, do? There was a- there was a lot of opposition years ago. Uh, the restaurants especially thought they were violating the health laws. And sometimes um, they've been sued by people who are uh, using dog guides and uh, hotels didn't want to uh, give people admittance. And if it wasn't for Morris Frank, who uh, back in the, uh, uh, 1929 came over here with the first seeing eye dog and helped to break down many of those barriers uh, by just being who he was and being the personality that he was. Um, We would still be uh, back there. So he started the whole thing Mm. and uh, the the graduates of the various dog guide schools have uh, carried on his uh, mission by standing up, for themselves and and now the laws are in our favor so mm-hmm. even if people don't know the law they get to know the law because you you can't just tell people you can't come in here anymore you know it's a it's a sad thing but when you're refused service anywhere because of your disability because of your skin color because of whatever it hurts it really is it's a it's a a blow mm-hmm. and it hurts people deep inside to be discriminated against and unless you've been discriminated against i don't think you can know that feeling and it doesn't matter how many times people tell you it's not easily explained it's more experienced than explained and it's a bad feeling so when it happens, it's important. I found it was important to keep my emotions down. I can feel them later on, but while it's going on, I think it's important to keep your head, be calm, be quiet, explain yourself and take your stand. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if you don't, then the focus becomes the way you acted. And now they want to blame you instead of keeping the focus on them for discriminating against you. So it's important not to be the, the focus of what's going on, but uh, for you to bring about the results that are needed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. What are you doing for fun these days? I know it's glo- global pandemic is is uh, definitely making things a little bit different. But what kind of hobbies do you have, and what are you doing for fun? 
Well, I tell you, uh, I think podcasting is fun. (laughs) I've been around uh, all this electronic equipment forever. And so uh, I just love it. And uh, now that I, you know, we all have more time, I just like the opportunity to be able to uh, play more in my studio. But also I, you know, now that the weather's changing, I can go out for walks with the dog. I do miss more, uh, excuse me, I do miss the interaction with people at different events. You know, I sort of uh, miss the get-togethers, the parties, uh, the uh, picnics, all the things that people did socially. And I'm hoping that this summer they all come back because uh, we, we need it. You know, we're not meant to live like this. Right. You know, we're, 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 we're social animals. And so we are not meant to live in isolation. Yeah, absolutely. So earlier, before, before we started recording, you had mentioned, uh, you're using, you know, a guitar mixer. Do you play guitar? No. Well, I mean, I fooled around with the guitar and a bunch of instruments, but no, not anymore. I don't do any of that, but, uh, yeah, I'm using this iRig pre two. It's uh, it's a you know if you wanted to hook a, an iPhone into your uh, I mean a guitar into your iPhone and record it that's what you would do you'd push okay. it through this uh, iRig so uh, but you can use it for voice and uh, a lot of people are using it to uh, broadcast on Clubhouse uh, for example if you I'm on uh, Mushroom FM which is an internet radio. Sh- radio station run by Jonathan Mosin. He's uh, out of New Zealand. Jonathan's been around for a while. He started running his program that he's uh, the host of on Mushroom FM through Clubhouse. So you can pick him up on your smart speaker. You can pick him up on Clubhouse. And uh, he's uh, pushing it through the iRig. So uh, I said, if it works for Jonathan, it'll work for me. Yeah. And uh, so, by the way, it's Mushroom FM, the home of the fun guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and so I do a show on there and uh, I've, I've been on other, you know, Internet radio stations and I do it for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, you know, so you have a you have a regular show that you do like uh, yeah, how often? It's uh, every Sunday night, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern and uh, Thursday morning, seven to nine a.m. rerun for the folks in the UK. It's called the Doo-Wop Corner, and uh, I'm I just play all the songs from the fifties and sixties that we used to sing when we used to hang out on the on the street corners in, in the in the cities. You know that was it's good street music. Uh, yeah. Some of it's a cappella and. Uh, a lot of groups were, you know, from Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, New Jersey. Uh, there was some uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, then there's groups from out west, from, you know, California and so forth, all over the country. But they were concentrated mostly in the cities. Okay. Yeah. L- looking back over your life, uh <clears throat> 
I know you've given us some some good advice, but anything that jumps out or anything that you'd really want to share with young people, advice to help them with their careers? Well, you know, I'm impressed with some of the young people I've met because they know a lot of this technology. It's almost in their DNA. They've been learning it since they were very young. It's as if you grew up in a house where they spoke more than one language. Well, by the time you were, you know, five years old, you would know most of those languages or a lot of those languages. Mm -hmm. These kids have been doing this since they're children, since they're, you know, little toddlers to one degree or another. And some of them are really, really proficient at it. I, uh, I now have uh, a young lady who is about 22 who is rebuilding my website for me. She's blind and she is so good. I've had people who are sighted check her work. Her name is Taylor Arndt, A-R-N-D-T. She is so organized and she's just a thrill, a pleasure to work with. And she has um, the initiative and she has the go get them attitude. And she really is a terrific young lady. I'm so impressed with her. So I would like to say to young people, you know, the sky is the limit. And I know sometimes it sounds trite that people say, ah, you can be anything you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. That is true to a certain degree. But I think the, um, the level that you can rise to today with the technology we have, if you apply yourself, you can really make great strides and rapidly. I, it's, it's a whole different world out there from when I was a young person. And I, I think that, you know, you need to seize the moment. We all do. And, and that doesn't, it's not only for young people, it's for older people. We all need to seize this opportunity uh, where, to grow and advance ourselves. I mean, the technology is phenomenal and it's changing and growing every day. And I think it's important for us all to keep up with it. I don't want to be, you know, my, my mother, God bless her. She, she was, uh, but she had an answering machine. It was too much for her. I'm thinking, I don't want to be like that. I'm, I want to be, I want to be current. I don't want to say, Oh, back in my day, I don't want to be one of those people. Right. So I think we all, we all need to keep pace. It's really important and we're going to really enjoy ourselves. I hope we can all learn something from my conversation with Mike today. I know for myself, I'm going to try to be confident, but not be cocky. It's a fine line, but I think I can do it. I hope you come back to hear more conversations with other blind and visually impaired people. And thanks for listening.